This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, I look forward to receiving emails and notes from you, the listener, and I'd like to refer to an email I received a few days ago. Uh, Let me quote. Hello, my husband and I are big fans of Theater of the Mind and listen every night. My request is this. You play ten times more creepy, scary shows or cop shows than you do the fun comedies such as Our Miss Brooks, My Favorite Husband, Father Knows Best, Duffy's Tavern, etc. Please play more of them. It should be one cop scary show and then one fun show every night. And also, you must realize, people are going to sleep after your shows. Do you have any idea how hard it is to relax and get to sleep after some horror show or noisy murder mystery? Please play the fun comedy second so we can relax and get to sleep right away. We do truly love being able to listen to these great old shows. It's wonderful to have access to them after all these years. Looking forward to many more years of enjoying Theater of the Mind. Thank you, and it's signed Susan Scott. Well, I wrote back to Susan explaining that I fully understand her plight and thanking her for pointing out something on the way of the programming that I should have realized myself. So I promise her that in the coming weeks, I would do my very best to adhere to her formula. As explained, I program these shows a couple of weeks in advance, so please be patient with me while I make some changes in the way I already uh, have these great shows for you, and not to expect the formula to show up until after the week of August 8th, which is this. Uh, and then I just realized that just by happenstance, this entire week has been just what the doctor or Susan ordered, a serious show or a drama followed by a comedy. That's true for tonight and the rest of the week. So Susan and Greg Scott... Thank you so much for nudging me in a very nice way to accommodate your listening habits. And we'll begin with a show that was first aired in 1944, Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons. The episode's entitled Moonless Night. Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons is on the air. gentlemen, the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction and one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, the famous old investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. But first, Would you like to have an attractive, dazzling smile, teeth that sparkle with all their natural brilliance? Then try the new Colonel, 
a high-polishing toothpaste. Kalanos acts like a jeweler's polish in removing tarnish from silver, erasing the common surface stains and dingy film that so often robs you of an attractive smile. See the difference it makes in the appearance of your teeth. Try Kalanos toothpaste. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S tonight. And now, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. Our story this time opens far from Mr. Keene's comfortable office in New York. On a stormy night in the deep south. A night lashed by wind and rain. A ramshackle old cab makes its way up a back road. Over his shoulder, the old Negro driver talks to his two passengers, Mr. Keene and the latter's assistant, Mike Clancy. So y'all want me to drop you off at the Mead place? Yes, driver. That's what I said. Will we soon be there? In hardly a minute, boss. Wouldn't get me to go visiting in there at night. And why not? Most unnatural folks in there. Crazy folks. Saints preserve us. All touched in the head and the heart. Why do you say that? You'll meet them, boss. Here you are, gentlemen. This gate right over here. Hmm. Quite a big place. All walled in. I'll get out and ring the bell for you. Thank you. And I'll wait here till someone comes for the fetcher. But I ain't going inside. Driver, you wouldn't be superstitious, eh? Oh, no, no, sir. Just intelligent. I'm very intelligent about places where not to go. Oh, Mr. <laughs> King, I, uh, I just remembered something terribly important. What's that, Mike? Well, I got an appointment tonight to go bowling in New York. <laughs> Steady, Mike. There comes somebody now. Oh, it's a great game. Big as a horse. And a woman with him. He's unlocking the gate. Come on, Mike. Let's get out. On your responsibility, sir. Driver, I uh, believe this covers the fare. Thank you, sir. And uh, good luck to you. Good evening. I uh, suppose you're Mr. King. Yes. This is my assistant, Mike Clancy. I'm Dorothy Amid. How do you do? How do you do? Please do. Please come in. Sorry you had to make the trip in such weather, Mr. Keene. Not at all. I'm much more troubled by what you had to say in your letter, Miss Lee. Yes, it's so disturbing about Uncle Adam. Let's walk along the driveway, shall we? We'll get some shelter from the trees. Well, these, uh... Water oaks, I believe. Mm -hmm. Twelve altogether in a double row. They're magnificent. Yes, but they've been going to pieces lately. There's the house on up ahead. Oh, yes. That's one of the most beautiful and majestic southern mansions I've ever seen. But decaying, like everything else around here. Oh, be careful of that first step, Mr. King. It's loose. I have it. Just fasten Nero's leash to the post here. Please come inside. Just to hang your coat and hat from those hooks there. Thank you. Oh, it's good to be in out of the rain. Well, if you'll come across the hall now, we'll make ourselves comfortable in the library. Stop where you are. Saints preserve us. Turn around. Get out of this house. It's that man. The top of the stairs. You're not wanted here. 
Get out. Oh, now stop it, Cousin Roscoe. You're being very rude. I don't like strangers. I hate them. Go on back to your room, dear, and work on your plan. Otherwise, you'll never capture Washington. Ah, yes. Washington, I'll move up reinforcements to the Army of the Potomac. Dorothea, see that I am not disturbed. Glory be. Poor Roscoe is still fighting the war of the states, Mr. King. So it would seem. Here, let's go into the library. Of course. Now, if you just make yourselves comfortable. Well, now, Miss Dorothea, to get a few facts straight, this place belongs to your Uncle Adam? Yes, Mr. King. How old is he? About 80. And he disappeared just 10 days ago? That's right. That's why I want you to investigate. Well, now... Who are all the members of the household? Well, I myself, I'm just visiting here. Then there are two nephews and another niece. You've just met one of the nephews, my cousin Roscoe. I'd say. Then there's also Roscoe's sister, Harriet, both about 50. Yes. Finally, there's my cousin Herbert Mead, about 40, very charming. He lived for years in India. Oh, did he? Came back last year with wonderful gifts for all of us. I believe he's enormously wealthy. At any rate, that was the entire household except for the servants. Your uncle and two nieces and two nephews. Yes. Now, tell me about the exact circumstance of his disappearance, Miss Dorothea. Well, after dinner that night, Uncle Adam decided to go for a walk. It was very dark, moonless, but quite mild. He went by himself? No, Nero trotted off with him, Mr. King. Mm-hmm. Who was the last person to see him? Oh, I was. I went out after him to offer him a flashlight. He said... Nonsense, my dear. I don't need it. Oh, but it's so awfully dark, Uncle Adam. I know every pebble around here by its first name. Uh, come along, Nero. Let's go get some air. And that was the last time you saw him, eh? What about Nero? We found Nero here the next morning, tied to a post. Well, we presumed that Uncle Adam had decided not to take him after all, or disappeared after returning. Did you start a search for him? The very next morning, Mr. King. Well, the police went all over the grounds and no trace of him. Then I decided to write to you. Oh, I'm so terribly worried. What could have happened to him, Mr. King? It's much too early to start guessing, my dear. Miss Dorothea, quite frankly, how did your uncle get along with the other members of the household? Well, he was something of a tease. You see it. Oh, hello, Cousin Herbert. Hello, Dorothea. I understand Mr. Keene has arrived. Yes, and this is his assistant, Mr. Clancy. How do you How do? You do? It was a dreadful business. If there's any way I can help, Mr. Keene... I may want to talk to you later, Mr. Mead. Well, I'll be in my room. Delighted to have met you, Mr. Keene. Seems like a very pleasant sort. Oh, he's a dear. And about the only one that Uncle Adam never picked on... Of course, Uncle Adam's been supporting Roscoe and Harriet for years as permanent guests. But he could never let off reminding Harriet about her age. <laughs> Harriet, my dear niece, sometimes I begin to think you'll never find a husband. Be still, Uncle Adam. I must admit, though, that I met a fellow the other day who's quite smitten with you, Harriet. Oh, oh, really? Did you? Miss Harriet, he said, isn't the flashy kind. But for solid, good looks, she can't be beat. Oh, tell me. Who said that? Oh, a fellow in the old man's home. 
That wasn't very kind. But in money matters, he was the very soul of generosity. Here, look, inside the drawer of this table, Mr. Keith. Hmm. It's stuffed with bills. It was there for Roscoe and Harriet to use as they wished. Interesting. Boss, there's something very odd about the size of those bills. Yes, this is the old-fashioned currency, Mike. About 50% larger than what's issued nowadays. It's one of my uncle's eccentricities. He's kept a bale of cash in the bank vault for years, and he's still drawing on it. I see. Well, now, Miss Dorothea, besides the servants, was there anybody else around the grounds about the time he disappeared? Well, yes. Uncle Adam had hired three or four men to work on the oaks. That double row we saw as we came in, eh? Yes. And I can get you the names of all the men who worked here. That can wait until morning. Oh, yes, of course. Let me show you to your rooms now. Here you are, Mr. Keene. Your room, Mr. Clancy, is the one down the hall there. Well, thank you, Miss Dorothea. I'll be one to talk a minute with the boss. I'll find it later. Everything's all laid out for you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Boss, what do you make of it? Nothing yet. Oh, this place gives me the creeps. Relax, Mike. Oh, I get the feeling that eyes are on me all the time. Then that darn rainstorm. Oh, I I wish she hadn't put us off in this lonely old wing by ourselves. Steady, Mike. Go to sleep. Well, I'll try to anyhow. Good night, boss. Good night. (sighs) Almost 11 o'clock. It is a strange house. And a strange family. I wonder if that storm will clear by morning. Must have a look around the grounds as soon as possible. See if... Great Scott. It's Mike Clancy. Somebody's turned off the hall light. One moment, Mike, while I find the hall light. Ah, There you are. Lying in the floor. Wait, Mike, wait. I'll fasten it from your neck. There we are. Oh, sense preserves. What was it? A silk stocking drawn around your neck like a noose. Glory be. Tell me, what happened? I don't know, boss. I, I stepped out into the hall. I started from my own room. Suddenly the light went out and I was being choked. With a silk stocking? Oh, there are no better use for silk stockings in times like these. One second. You notice anything about the color of this? Well, it's 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 dark, sort of. Gunmetal. The same color that Dorothea Mead was wearing. Oh, boss, I I told you I should have went bowling tonight in little old New York. Good morning. You enjoying the view from the porch? Yes, it's beautiful. Thank heavens the storm has cleared. Yes, it gave me the chance to look around the ground. Oh, did you find anything interesting? Mm-hmm. But on Mr. Clancy's neck, look at this. Oh, a stocking? It looks like one of my own. It was used last night in an attempt to choke Mr. Clancy. Oh, Oh, dear God. I wonder if you can explain. 
Well, I, I'm afraid that I can. I, I have several pairs like that. When I went back to my room last night, Roscoe was coming out. Was he? He said he'd been looking for some book. Oh, I know he has fits of temper, but I hate to believe he actually would try. Here he comes now, up the gravel path. Ah, that you, Keen? Just the man I want to see. Good. I want to talk with you. Tell me, Keen. If you were in a situation where your major forces were disposed along the Potomac and Grant was moving along your flank... Now, Mr. Meade. Oh, oh, you think I'm a bit of a fool, don't you? Well, look at these. Dollar bills? A dozen of them. The old-fashioned size. I've been investigating for a week, all on my own. You know where they all turned up? In the bar back in town. The bartender told me. I have bought them all up. Know why? Well, why? Because they'd all been spent there by Ben Matley. Oh, who's he? He's one of the men working on the ground when my uncle disappeared. Simple as could be. Matley murdered Uncle Adam. Well, that's very much worth looking into. But what about this stocking, Mr. Meade? Ever see it before? Have you? Of course. I'm Dorothea's leg. <laughs> One moment, Mr. Meade. I'm afraid I'll have to go after him. Mr. Meade! Stop where you are. Mr. Keene, uh, this is Cousin Harriet. I don't want this man here. Tell him Roscoe alone. Cousin Harriet, if we're ever to find Uncle Adam. Find him. I don't much care if we do. <laughs> seems to be a house of hate with motives on every side. But Mr. Keene continues his search. Meanwhile, thousands of girls who suffer the heartache of being unpopular, clever, pretty, smartly dressed girls have just one thing to blame. Teeth that rob them of charm when they smile. Thousands of men whose livelihood depends on selling themselves to others have the same weakness of appearance to blame. They don't know it or notice it, but the people they contact do. You may or may not be one of those people, but if you have the slightest suspicion that you are, try the new Colonos toothpaste, a high-polishing toothpaste. Its action is like a jeweler's polish removing tarnish from a piece of silver. You'll find Colonos helps remove those dingy, unattractive surface stains from your teeth, brings out all the natural luster and brilliance that adds so much to your smile. Start using the new Colonos tonight. Remember, it's a high-polishing toothpaste. You can get Colonos K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonel Toothpaste at any drugstore. Now back to Mr. Keene, who is knocking on the door of a cottage near the Mead Estate. Good morning. Are you Ben Matley? Sure enough. Keene is my name. Yeah. I heard they was calling you from New York to find old Mr. Adam Mead. Well, Matley, I'm going to ask you a very blunt question. Yeah. How do you come to have so many of those large-sized bills that Mr. Adam Mead always used? Heck, I worked for them for weeks on them trees. You would seem to be spending more than your normal share. Sure. I'm good at poker, and the other boys ain't. Well, tell me, Matley, about the work you did in those water oaks. Now, I gather that it consisted of hollowing out the rotted parts and filling them with cement. Yeah, sure enough. And then, were they finished? Yep. A couple of weeks ago today, before Mr. Meade disappeared? The day before. Oh. Uh, sure had big holes in them. Funny the way that rot gets in water oaks. 
Holes big as a house, Mr. Keene. Hmm. But it never affects black walnut trees that way, does it? Hardly ever. What do you ask me for? Why? For an excellent reason. Mr. Keene. Good, Miss Dorothea. I've worked up quite an appetite with all my walking this morning. Not this way. The others are all waiting. How do you do? Mr. Clancy's sitting here by my side. Will you sit next to Cousin Herbert, Mr. Keene? Delighted. Any progress, Mr. Keene? Progress? Why, I believe... Excuse me. Oh, you dropped something on the floor? The pebble in my shoe. I'll have it out in a moment. There we are. You were saying, Mr. Keene. Negative progress. I mean that we can safely eliminate one theory. And what is that? If your uncle has been murdered, Miss Harriet, I don't believe it was for a legacy. Why do you say that, Mr. Keene? Because, Miss Dorothea, he has been made to disappear so completely. I don't follow. Not at all, Mr. Keene. Assuming that he is dead, his will cannot be probated, nor can his estate be distributed for at least five years. You see... There must be proof of death through the finding of the body, or else under the laws of this state, five years must pass until he can be presumed to be legally dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Everybody knows that. Be that as it may, Cousin Herbert. Uncle Adam will turn up all right. What makes you so sure, Miss Harriet? A Harriet's? bad penny always turns up. Knocking? It's I, Mr. Keene, Herbert Mead. Oh, come in. One moment, I'll switch on the bed lamp. I'm sorry to waken you. It's my first chance to break away from the others. What's the trouble? I don't know whether Dorothy has been completely frightened, Mr. Keene. In what regard? When Uncle Adam walked off that night, he wasn't alone. Oh, really? I was looking out of the library window. Down the path, Uncle Adam was joined by... Well, family loyalty is a good thing, but... Come, come, Mr. Mead. The best way is to have it all come out now. Surely we could enter a plea of insanity for him. For Roscoe, you mean? You've seen one of his wages, I believe. Yes. Uncle Adam always was ridiculing poor Roscoe's military campaigns. But the body... Mr. Keene, I know the grounds have already been searched once. But I noticed this morning that... The way Nero was mooning around in back of the house. It's only a stab in the dark, but I... Yes, go on. Tomorrow, by daylight, we'll go there together. All right. First thing in the morning. Good morning, Mr. Keene. Good morning, Mike. Huh. Something on your mind, boss? Well, Mike. Yesterday at lunch, I set a trap. And? What, tell me about it. There was no pebble in my shoe yesterday. I was examining a trouser cuff. Oh, I, I don't follow you. Come along, Mike. We have an appointment this morning with Herbert Mead.
Maybe he's gone downstairs by now, Mr. Kingsley. Maybe. Let's try the door. Okay. Boss, he's got... Look at him there in the bed. Blood all over his face. Quick, let's get to him. Mr. Mead. Herbert. Herbert. Oh, my, a nasty gash on his forehead. Herbert, can you hear me? Boss, he must be dead. No. He seems to be just barely breathing. Mike, run downstairs. Have somebody phone for a doctor. Okay, boss. Well, what are you doing there, sir? Having a look in the closet, Mike. What for? The killer? No, just his trousers. Well, we certainly had a fright, Mr. King. What did the doctor say, Miss Dorothea? Nasty cut for Cousin Herbert, but no fracture, fortunately. Did Herbert have any idea who attacked him? Just going back to discuss that with him now. You coming with me, Mr. King? As a matter of fact, I'll join you later if you don't mind. I want to have a look in your uncle's tool shed, if I may. Of course, anything, only we must find out once and for all who's responsible for all these horrors in this house. Oh, poor Herbert. Don't you think you should stay in bed? Oh, don't worry, Dorothy. I'll be all right. And you have no idea who it was? I was deep asleep. Next thing, something came down on my head. I remember the pain and nothing. Why, you could have been killed. I wasn't hit with much force, the doctor said. Dorothea, that makes me start wondering. Perhaps... Oh, no, no. But Harriet is such a strange one, always sulking, always taking Roscoe's part. Oh, Herbert. May I come in? Why, of course, Mr. King. I see you're sitting up, Mr. Mead. And, and it's you, Mr. King. I'm afraid so, my dear. Afraid? What I mean is... Uh, you know that old black walnut tree out there in back? You can just about see the top of it from that window? Yes. Well, what about it? Well, just before your uncle's disappearance, some work was being done on the 12 oaks out in front, wasn't it? They had rotted. This was so. And that's understandable. But I find also that another tree was treated the same way. Bored out, refilled with cement. That is very strange. Why, Mr. Keaton? Black walnut doesn't usually decay like that doesn't ordinarily require that sort of surgery. A few minutes ago, I had that cement filling broken open. Oh, dear God, you mean... Your uncle, Adam Mead, has been lying inside that tree for two weeks. Dead. Oh. Entombed in the black walnut by the person who killed him. Who was that person? The possibilities are numerous. Somebody who was mentally unbalanced, possibly. A thief, possibly. Or else a rather greedy and ruthless man who knew nothing about the laws of inheritance. Who? Who? You, Herbert Mead. What did you say, Mr. Oh, now we've got a third lunatic in the house. But, Keen, don't you realize that I was nearly killed here myself? Nearly killed, yes. You staged that attack yourself and hit yourself just hard enough to bring blood. No worse. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, when you found me, I was completely unconscious. Correct. The answer is in this night table. See? A box of sleeping powder, half gone. First you gashed yourself, then you took a big dose of the sleeping powders, and then waited for results. Well, you're out of your mind. You see, while you lay there unconscious, I didn't waste too much time in pity. I looked in your closet, examined the cuffs of every pair of trousers you wear. I, I don't understand. 
In two of them, I found granules of wood, a black walnut scrapie. In the third, bits of cement. Oh, now, just a moment. Night after night, while the men working on the oaks left their equipment around, you went out and worked on the black walnut, making a tomb. And then, when it was ready, you went out in the dark after your uncle and strangled him. Mother! The same way you attacked my assistant later. You see, you did not understand the laws of legacy, Serpent me. But when I mentioned it at the table yesterday, you realized you'd made a mistake. You realized the body had to be found. And you gave me hints to guide me. You said Nero had been mooning around in back. Then, my dear fellow, you really gave yourself away. Stand back, King, both of you. Got a Careful, Mead. Into the closet, you two. You won't get far, Mead. I've already been in touch with the police. Stop this pistol, Mead. I've got you covered. Thank you, Sheriff. That was well done. I heard every word of it. I arrest you, Herbert Mead, for the murder of your uncle, Adam Mead. Well, the train's on time, Mike. We'll soon be getting into Pennsylvania Station. And sure, when I tell me, old lady, just how close she came to losing her precious Michael Clancy. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> but boss, I wonder what on earth you'd ever do if you didn't happen to know about things like black walnut trees and the laws of inheritance. What would I do, Mike? I wouldn't be a detective. <laughs> And so ends the case of the Moonless Night. Listen next week at the same time as Mr. Keene brings us the bizarre and baffling case of the missing witness. To help bring out the gleaming natural brightness of your teeth, remove common surface stains by brushing them with a new colonel, a high-polishing toothpaste. Colonos acts like a jeweler's polish in removing tarnish from silver. It quickly removes surface stains and helps make your teeth and smile look their dazzling, romantic best. Try the new Colonos toothpaste tonight. just been listening to Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Now on the air at a new time, every Thursday night, 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, over this network. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday night when the kindly old Tracer turns to the case of the missing witness. And now, one closing thought. Many of you listening in have signed the Home Front Pledge, a pledge made by 15 million Americans in the past year to pay no more than top legal prices and accept no ration goods without ration points. If all of us will do these two simple things, we will soon wipe out the black market, cut down the cost of living, and ensure a fair share of food for the wives and families of our fighting men and millions of others living on fixed income. This is Larry Elliott saying good night for the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste and Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons.
Stay tuned for Eve Arden as our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a show that's a favorite of many, including me, Our Miss Brooks. Now, this one's a riot, and you're going to love the reaction of Mr. Conklin when he discovers a cow in his closet at Madison High. Now, it's Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. Most female teachers at Madison High School think of Mr. Boynton, the bashful biologist, as an extremely handsome, virile, irresistible individual. But our Miss Brooks, who teaches English there, can take him with a grain of salt. In fact, I could take him with a whole spoonful. <laughs> but why waste salt on a fellow who's too shy to toss in a little pepper now and then? <laughs> Last Friday at breakfast, I foolishly provoked a discussion of the matter with my landlady. Honestly, Mrs. Davis, he's more attentive to his animals. Why, yesterday he hardly noticed me because he took his dog to school for the day. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. What can a dog learn in one measly day? (laughs) Serves me right for mentioning it. May I have some toast, please? Here you are, dear. It's like I've always said. If dogs could learn things as quickly as cats... This would be a much better world to live in. For whom? No, I'm serious. Take our cat Minerva. For the past week, I've been teaching her mathematics, and she's become a whiz at it. Mathematics? Just you wait and see. Minerva! Meow! Tell me quickly now. How much is two and two? Meow! Ah, that's a good girl. Well, I'll gather up the dishes now. Uh, just a minute. Two and two equals meow? Certainly. There are four letters in meow, aren't there? <laughs> That's her way of telling me that the answer is four. Two meows equal eight. Three meows equal twelve, and so on. Oh, it's funny, though. She isn't so hot on the odd numbers. <laughs> Look, Mrs. Davis, I started this conversational maze with the simple statement that Mr. Boynton brought his dog to school yesterday. Well, Connie, then it's simple. What's simple? You should do something to show Mr. Boynton how much you love animals. Like what? Well, why don't you take Minerva to school with you today? Oh, let's not be ridiculous, Mrs. Davis. I couldn't possibly take Minerva to... Well, come to think of it, Mr. Boynton is extremely fond of cats. It might make a hit at that. You think she'd behave herself in my classroom? Of course she would. She can stretch out on the seat cushion I ordered for your classroom. Seat cushion? You mentioned how trying it is, sitting on that hard chair all day. Still, I thought I'd surprise you. Oh, that's very sweet of you, Mrs. Davis. Don't mention it. I mailed a letter last night telling the store where to send it along with another note to the place where I ordered Victor's gift. Your brother Victor? Yes. He's every bit as fond of animals as Mr. Boynton is. That's why I bought one for him yesterday. Oh, that's nice, Mrs. Davis. What did you get him? A cow. (laughs) A cow? Yes. It's a female. (laughs) 
Those were the best times. <laughs> Why on earth did would you... You like... just moved into a little farmhouse on the edge of town, Connie. It's only a 15-minute drive from here. By and by, he'll be adding more livestock, of course. But right now, with just the one cow, I figured he'd have his hands full. He plays his cards right (laughs) Well, I'd better dash off to school, Mrs. Davis I'll have to use all my powers of persuasion To get Mr. Conklin's permission to take Minerva into class with me All right, dear Just put Minerva into this valise I bought for her at the pet shop It's a cat carrier You might leave the lid open for her, though Oh, that won't be necessary There are holes in the side through which she can breathe In you go, Minerva. Here, I'll give you a hand. Oh, that's what I like about Minerva. She's so polite. Whenever you help her out, she always says four. You may be principal of this school, Osgood Conklin, but as long as I am head of the Board of Education, you will take orders from me. Is that clear? Quite clear, Mr. Stone. Crystal clear. Couldn't be clearer. You are also... <laughs> lips are sealed. Why, when I saw that dog running loose outside the biology lab yesterday, I was shocked beyond words. You know that animals aren't allowed on school property, Osgood. How did it get in here? Answer me. Well, I haven't the slightest idea, sir. Well, uh, let's make certain that no dogs invade this school today. First, you will make an early inspection tour of all classrooms. And I want you to post a guard at the front door throughout the day. But, sir, why commission someone to do a job for which I myself am ideally suited? I'll keep a weather eye open, sir. You may be sure no animal will get past me. Come in. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. Oh, hello, Mr. Stone. Good morning, Miss Brooks. Are you, uh, going somewhere? Going some... Oh, this the lead. Uh, if I may ask your permission, Mr. Conklin. Permission for what? Well, you'll see as soon as I open the bag. It'll just take me a minute. Excuse me, Mr. Stone. Go right ahead. Glad you dropped in, Miss Brooks. Perhaps you can shed some light on the identity of the culprit who dared to bring an animal into this school yesterday. <laughs> an animal, Mr. Stone? Specifically, a dog. When I saw it romping around outside the biology lab, I came in here to report the incident to Mr. Conklin. When I returned to the spot, it had vanished. Good. Some of those spots stay on forever. (laughs) I'm afraid I can't be of much help to you, Mr. Stone. You see, mine is an English class, and I'm not one of those who is... who are, I should say, in the habit of hanging around other lads. The lads of others, I mean. So I couldn't really shed any light on the identity of which the dog belonged to who. And exactly how long have you had this English class, Miss Brooks? You bet. <laughs> well, please forgive my faulty syntax, Mr. Stone. The thought of a beast on the premises has frazzled my nerves a bit. Well, goodbye now. One moment. You were going to open that bag, remember? Bag? What bag? Oh, the bag. Oh, well, you really wouldn't want to look at what's in this bag, sir. It's nothing but... What was that? I said, I'll run along now and meow. (laughs) Meow, that's a new expression some of the kids use. It's real cool, I think. (laughs) Meow. Meow. Instead of saying goodbye, they say meow. Silly, isn't it? (laughs) Meow. 
sometimes I stretch it out with a little Western draw. <laughs> well, meow now, Mr. Stone. Meow, Mr. Conklin. Meow! Meow! <laughs> now, that was mighty peculiar behavior. She galloped out of here like a frightened antelope. Yes, and it's my guess that right now she and her Western drawl are loafing over to the old bunkhouse in Mr. Boynton's lab. Hello there, Miss Brooks. Howdy. Please sit down, Mr. Boynton. We've got a little palavering to do. Well, can it wait, Miss Brooks? I was just on my way to the cloakroom to feed Geraldine. Geraldine? You know, my dog. She's a boxer. And if Mr. Conklin drops in, she'd better come out fighting. <laughs> That's what I came to warn you about. Warn me? Yes, he's on an anti-animal kick. Mr. Stone happened to see Geraldine in the hall yesterday, and he was furious. Luckily, he doesn't know who her owner is yet. Gosh, I guess I should have asked Mr. Conklin's permission. Oh, but there's little chance of my dog being discovered in here, Miss Brooks. Mr. Stone rarely comes into my lab. The same goes for Mr. Conklin. Oh, well, then maybe my cat can hide out here for the day. Your cat? Yeah, I'll let her out of the bag. I certainly wouldn't want Mr. Conklin to find out I'm a cat rustler. Out you come, Minerva. You won't mind taking care of her for me, will you, Mr. Boynton? Oh, not at all. Come here, baby. All righty. <laughs> oh, you mean her. <laughs> I'm, I'm crazy about cats, Miss Brooks. Why, the minute I see one, I can't resist nestling it in my arms and stroking its little head. Meow. <laughs> Davis ordered a seat cushion sent to my class today, Miss Boynton. I'll bring it over so that Minerva can stretch out in comfort. Oh, that'll be dandy. I saw Mrs. Davis at the movies last night, and she told me about her brother Victor's farmhouse and that she's buying him a cow. I just love cows, don't you? Madly. <laughs> oh, I love all animals, Mr. Boynton. You know, sometimes I get to thinking about my childhood days on Dad's farm, Miss Brooks. Oh, I miss those days a lot. I hope Victor asks me out to his farm someday. We can both go out someday. Some night, I mean. Some night when Victor isn't home. We can stroll in the meadow, hand in hand, with the moonlight pouring down. Uh, that sounds pretty thrilling, Miss Brooks. And uh, if you're with me and, uh, and it's a very nice evening, you think it'd be all right to... Well... Yes, Mr. Byrne? Well, do you think Victor would let me milk his cow? <laughs> We can both milk her. You take the left side, and I'll take the right side, and I'll be homogenized before you. <laughs> oh, great. Speaking of milk has evidently whipped up Minerva's appetite. Steady, Minerva. <gasps> Mr. Conklin. Yipe. At ease. I hope you'll forgive this intrusion, Boynton. I just dropped into... Oh, hello, little pussycat. <laughs> I say I just dropped in to make certain there are no dogs in here. Not that I suspect you, Boynton, but I just thought I'd take a look around. Well, I don't see any dogs on the premises. No dogs at all. Sorry to trouble you. I'll just run along now and... Hello, little pussy cat! <laughs> 
Alice, let's all play charades. <laughs> I mean, there's still a few minutes before first class, so just for kicks. That let's... will do. Out with it now. To whom does this cat belong? Cat? What cat? Oh, the pussy cat. It's quite a pussy cat, isn't it? Silky. It's a girl cat, no doubt. <laughs> Mr. Boynton and I hadn't noticed her. Oh, that's right. She must have strayed in, sir. Nonsense. Miss Brooks, I'm beginning to understand those phantom meows I heard in my office. Now then. What are I... you doing to the cat's collar, Mr. Conklin? I'm removing it, Miss Brooks. It'll be an easy matter to determine the person who owns us by simply checking the number on this license tag. That person, needless to say, is a dead duck. Having heard nothing from Mr. Conklin during my morning classes, I presumed that he had not as yet traced the number on Minerva's license tag. As I left my classroom for lunch, however, the figure of a sentry armed with a BB rifle loomed up before me. Hope! Step forward and be recognized. It's me, Mr. Conklin. Oh, step back and be unrecognized. Aye, aye, sir. And so, having been honorably discharged, I hiked down to the school cafeteria and ordered chow. It was then that Walter Denton beckoned me to his table. Over here, Miss Brooks. Wilt thou not visit me? The plant beside me feels thy gentle dew, and every blade of grass I see from thy deep earth, its quickening moisture drew. <laughs> I ordered meatballs. What have you got? <laughs> the same. I guess you didn't care for that bit of poetry I quoted, huh, Miss Brooks? You guessed right, Walter. Well, uh, how do you like this one? You'd never have let the cat from the bag if you knew Mr. Conklin would grab her tag. <laughs> You're either psychic or a sneak. How'd you find out I'm up the creek? <laughs> well, that's a very provocative question, Miss Brooks. You will recall that shortly before first class this morning, our beloved principal invaded Mr. Boynton's lab and trapped you dead to rights with your furry friend. With two furry friends, Mr. Boynton lost his razor. Yeah. <laughs> well, at that time, I happened to be standing in the hall just outside the lab, and presently I heard excitement-laden voices wafted through the transom. And now, uh, that was a moment of great decision for me, Miss Brooks. I could have either hewed to the path of dishonor by remaining in the hall and eavesdropping, or I could have taken the glorious avenue of decency by closing my ears and leaving the scene. Well... Yeah, I took the dirty road out. <laughs> For shame. But you still don't know all the details, Walter. Oh, contraire, Miss Brooks. I was about to say that some minutes later, I confronted Mr. Boynton with the juicy morsels I had overheard, informed him that I should like to be acquainted with all the facts, and requested that he sing. And he sang? Ezio Pinza would have envied him. <laughs> well, this is no laughing matter, Walter. When Mr. Conklin traces Minerva's license tag... Well, he didn't have time to trace it this morning, Miss Brooks, and it's too late now. Uh, here is a little gift as a token of my esteem. Walter, it's the tag. How did you get it? Like I said, Miss Brooks, I'm pretty perfidious at times. When Mr. Conklin left his office for a few moments, I sneaked in, made off with the tag, and ever since then, he's been flipping his lid, wondering what happened to it. But that's stealing. That's a dreadful thing to do, Walter, and thanks a million. 
welcome. The only one thing worries me, Miss Brooks. Since Mr. Conklin can't establish ownership, he'll probably confiscate your cat and send her to the pound. Oh, no. We can't let that happen to Minerva. Somehow we've got to spring her. I have an idea, Walter. You've got to sneak her out of the biology lab through the window and then take her to Mrs. Davis's brother's farmhouse. It's only a 15-minute drive from here, so you can report back to me in my classroom before the end of lunch period. Uh, check. I know a shortcut to the farmhouse, Miss Brooks. I helped Victor move some furniture in day before yesterday. Well, after Walter promised to sneak Minerva out of school to Victor's farm, the only problem remaining was what to do about Mr. Boynton's dogs. In my classroom shortly after noon, I told Mr. Boynton what Walter had done. Well, I doubt that he'll get back here before the end of lunch period, Miss Brooks. It's almost one o'clock now. Excuse me, Mr. Boynton. I want to steal a little peek into the hallway. Hmm, no sentry. Mr. Conklin apparently ducked out for a bite. Now's your chance to get rid of your dog. Oh, I've already taken care of that. I simply lowered Geraldine out the window and told her to go home. She'll be lying on the doorstep waiting for me after school, Miss Brooks. Uh, you see, she's been trained. No matter where she is, she knows how to get to my apartment house. So do I, but what good does it do? <laughs> Hiya, folks. I got your cat to the farm okay, Miss Brooks. Nice work, Walter. Did you turn her over to Mrs. Davis? Uh, not exactly. She was out shopping when I got there, but I left Minerva with her brother, Victor, as soon as he got through with the delivery man. Delivery man? Yeah. Some guy was delivering a seat cushion. What? But that cushion was supposed to be delivered to my classroom. Good old absent-minded Mrs. Davis. Miss Brooks? Yes? A sign here. For what? For this. Oh, no. Wait a minute, mister. This is a cow. You've got good eyes, lady. We'll give you the bucket free. <laughs> Gosh, a real cow. Oh, I haven't milked a cow in 14 years. Hand me that bucket, Walter. Oh, no, you don't. This is no time to improve your handshake. <laughs> uh, listen, mister, my landlady evidently got confused. There's been a dreadful mistake, but you simply have to take back this cow. Oh, I'm sorry, lady. That'll take a separate order, and our company's jammed up for the day. Give them a call, though. Maybe we can take her tomorrow. Well, you've got to be reasonable. You can't leave a cow here overnight. This is a public school under the supervision of the federal government. Let's keep politics out of this. I'll be gone now. So long, lady. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just caught a glimpse of Mr. Conklin and his daughter Harriet coming up the school steps. What'll we do? <laughs> Mr. Boynton, cut that out. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my head. Now look in the bucket. I'll see you later, Daddy. Fine, Harriet. I'll be right here on sentry duty. No silly cat or dog is going to get past me today. Boy, you sure going to get a surprise from some silly cow. Not if I can help it. Quick, close the door. Now, listen carefully, Walter. I want you to stay here with the cow and see that absolutely no one enters this classroom. Then after school's over, when the sentry leaves, we can escape with the cow. Okay, Miss Brooks, you can depend on me. What can I do to help, Miss Brooks? Just hand me that valise. The other one! <laughs> Steady, girl, steady. You're in good hands. Uh, ten after three, Walter. As soon as Miss Brooks gets back, we can... Uh, 
Who goes there? A friend. I'm unarmed. Yeah. Wait till I pull the chair away from the door. Oh, hi, Miss Brooks. See anybody in the hall? Just Harriet Conklin. She was on her way to a dramatics club meeting. I saw Mr. Conklin getting into his car, so now's our chance to make the break. You men bring up the rear. We girls will lead the way. Come along, Bossy. Now, keep your eyes peeled, Walter. You too, Mr. Boynton. If you see anybody... Yeah, holy smoke! Quick, push her in here. I'll open the door. Quick, push her! No time to explain. In you go, Bossy. Come on. In, 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 in. All right, Walter. Now, would you mind explaining what we and the strange cow are doing in Mr. Conklin's office? Well, I just saw Harriet Conklin coming down the stairs. Oh, but we're safe in here. She never comes into Mr. Conklin's office when he isn't around. Oh, quick thinking, Walter. <sighs> Daddy, I thought you'd gone home. I forgot something in my office, Harriet. Whoops, he's around. What on earth is going on in there? Well, I'll soon find out. Back the cow into the closet. Hurry. Come on, Bossy. Back, back. Come on, Ingo. All the way. That's it. That's it. Oh, now she'll only stay quiet until Mr. Conklin. Miss Brooks, Boynton, Denton, what are you doing here? Uh, well, sir, we were just... of I demand to know what you are doing in my office. Well, sir, we were just... Is the song fest over now? No, not quite, Mr. Conklin. Somehow I feel more coming on. I'm in the mood of love simply because you're... Oh, shut up! You all sound like a herd of sick cattle. For the last time, what are you doing here? Well, sir, we just dropped in to say goodbye on our way home. I left here five minutes ago, but I forgot my hat. I'll get it out of the closet and we can all go together. What an awful way to go. <laughs> oh, surely you don't need a hat on such a lovely day, sir. Why not skip the closet? Step aside, Miss Brooks. Yes, sir. Pardon me, please. Take it easy, take it easy, take it easy. I just want to get my hat. Seems to be on the floor. I can just reach it. I've got it now. Oh, I am sorry. Now I've got it. Now I can... Hmm. Pardon me again, please. Uh, will one of you kindly tell me that I didn't see what I just saw in that closet? You've had a rough day on sentry duty, sir. Overwork very often causes one's mind to play tricks that are... Oh, yes, yes, of course. It's absurd. 
I'm convinced the whole thing was a mirage, notwithstanding the indisputable fact that my hat here, as you can plainly see, is half filled with cream. (laughs) Just to reassure myself, however, I'd like to take another look in the closet. This time you will follow me, Miss Brooks. Oh, it's rather late, Mr. Conklin. Let's do it in the morning. You'll follow me now, Miss Brooks. And I do mean now. Yes, sir. Holy cow! And you do mean cow. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's a couple of comedies. Fibber McGee and Molly, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Guest star, Mickey Rooney. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.